Chapter 3 Osbjorn left in the morning, and Gunhild and Freudis began a wonderful week together. Gunhild was always kept busy, but Freudis never nagged. She spent all day teaching Gunhild new things, and she spoke to her not like a child, but a student. They made a trip to a nearby farm for more milk, and Gunhild got to sit in the front of the wagon and hold the reins to Freudis's old and bony horse. Freudus told her about how to figure how much to pay for milk, for without a standard form of money, Freudus had to pay in bits of silver, amber jewelry, or other raw materials for what she needed. She paid this family in salted fish, which she bought by the cartful each time she made the two-day trip to Riba, the village on the coast. The next day they made cheese. Gunhild tried to forget where the calf's stomach had come from, and immersed herself in the complex process. They soaked a piece of the stomach to make the rennet, and used it to curdle the milk into squishy chunks, then strained it through cloth. Each step had to be done carefully, and Freudus made sure nothing went to waste. They took walks through the countryside gathering herbs. Some were used for flavoring the cheese, or the mead that Freudus brewed using the honey from her hives. Other herbs were used for medicine, and Gunhild watched attentively as Freudus told her the names, uses, and stories behind dozens of plants. She was excited when they found mistletoe, and she could show Freudus what she knew. Mistletoe was poisonous, she said, the berries especially. It was what Loki used to trick Hod into killing his brother Balder. Very true, said Freudus, smiling. But it can heal as well. It can be good for headaches or aching joints, but you have to be very careful. Climb up the tree and get us some, and I'll show you how to prepare it when we get home. The days seemed magical. Gunhild learned how to weave baskets and felt wool. She chopped wood gladly for Freudus, whose back made it hard for her to lift anything heavy, and she weeded the garden, saving Freudus from bending. In the evenings, Freudus showed her new ways to cook, or new songs to sing. Freudus even sang some songs about romances, or about men in married life, that scandalized poor Gunhild, who had never heard her mother talk about such things. In return, Gunhild told all the stories she knew about trolls, elves, dwarves, and dragons, which Freudus knew already, of course, but loved to listen to. Gunhild also learned the history of many of the families in the area. She hadn't even realized that Freudus's grandfather was brother to her mother's grandfather. Freudus told of a great feud a few generations ago between her family and some neighbors. A bad joke told one evening after too much mead became an insult, and the insult became a slander. Two farmers, normally content to herd their flocks in peace, were determined to duel, and so it was that Freudus's grandfather killed a neighbor, whose son killed his son in revenge. It seemed that the two families might declare all-out war, until they brought the dispute before the Jarl, who deemed the second killing illegal, and placed a fine upon the family. Freudus hadn't even been born at the time, but she told the story as if it had happened yesterday. Gunhild also learned to make mead. Any alcoholic drink needed sugar to ferment, and whereas beer used grain and wine used grape juice, mead used honey. As popular as Freudus's honeycomb was among the neighboring farms, most of her honey was used for brewing. Be careful, though, she told Gunhild. My mother used to say, the more a man drinks, the less a man thinks. The evening before Gunhild's last day with Freudus, Freudus said that they would take a barrel of mead to Eric Mikkelfot, as she had promised earlier that spring. This meant that Gunhild would see Osbjorn again, and she had to admit that she had been thinking of him. 
The idea of finding him handsome had been strange at first, but after Osbjorn had left, Gunnhild found herself daydreaming about him, and wondering if he thought of her. The next morning, before they set off, Freudus braided Gunnhild's hair in small braids around the side that looked like a crown, which she proclaimed very pretty. That morning, as Gunnhild went to hitch up the horse, she glanced down the trail and saw, to her befuddlement, her little brother Rolf. He saw her, too, and ran up full of excitement. Gunny, he said, the words bubbling over. I walked here all by myself. I think it was at least a hundred miles, but I wasn't counting. What are you doing? Do you want to play trolls and elves? Why are you here? said Gunnhild. Already she could see the plans for the day crumbling. I was bored, Rolf moaned. Father's gone, and now you're gone. Mother and Aunt Inga just sit and spin and weave and tell me to go play outside. There's nothing to do. What about chores? Who's been doing the milking and looking after the garden? Me and Aunt Inga, said Rolf, but I can't do the milking right, and I hate gardening. There's nothing to do without you there. Do you want to play? Rolf, did you even tell Mother you were coming here? No, I left before she got up. That's why I'm here so early. I didn't have breakfast. Do you have any food? Where's Freudus? Gunhild knew that if Freudus knew Rolf was there, she would change her plans and take him back home. Gunhild would go back too, and they wouldn't take the mead to Eric's farm and see Osbjorn. In other words, her beautiful magical stay with Freudus was now over. Rolf, she said, lowering her voice, you've been very bad. You left Mother without telling her. She knelt down and took him by both shoulders. How do you think she's feeling now? She must be worried. Rolf looked down, ashamed. You need to go back. I'll come home tomorrow. I want you to come home now, he whined. Rolf, if I have to take you home, I swear I'll never play with you again. You go home now. Gunnhild glanced over her shoulder to make sure Freudus hadn't come out yet. Go home and let Mother know you're okay, and I'll come home tomorrow. I have things I have to do. You'd be bored here, too. Rolf looked back at the trail, the way he had come. It's a long way, he said, and I'm hungry. Gunnhild cursed under her breath and looked back at the house again. Stay here, she said. Don't follow. She ran back to the house and grabbed a piece of barley bread from the hearth. Freudus was washing her face before they set off. Almost ready? asked Freudus. Almost, said Gunnhild, and she ran back outside. She handed Rolf the bread and turned him around by the shoulders. If you're good, she whispered, I'll bring you some honey just for you when I come back, okay? Okay, said Rolf, trudging away. Hurry, hissed Gunnhild, who then ran to get the horse hitched up. The short trip to the other farm was pleasant. The weather was warm and the ride easy. She and Freudus sang one of the songs Freudus had taught her about Eagle Weak Eyes, who mistakes a pig for his sweetheart, and then mistakes his sweetheart for a bear and runs away. By the end they were laughing so much they could barely finish the song, and Gunnhild thought the old woman must be the best friend she could ever have. They arrived by mid-afternoon, and Osbjorn saw them first and called out as if he had been waiting to see them. Gunnhild sat in on the conversation as Eric and Osbjorn shared some mead with Freudus, and laughed as Osbjorn told about one of the inexperienced farmhands trying to shear a sheep for the first time. When the conversation turned to the price of wool and how much the flock would produce this year, Gunnhild and Osbjorn went for a walk, and Gunnhild picked flowers. "'Have you told your father about sailing north for ivory?' asked Gunnhild. "'No, and don't mention it,' said Osbjorn. "'He knows sheep, and he knows sheep are safe. 
He wants something safe for me, and for his investment, too. Is sailing really that dangerous? It shouldn't be, not with a good crew. But there's always a risk. Osborne paused. I just don't know if I could stand to stay here and raise sheep and never see the rest of the world. I met a man in Ripa who said that he had been to the court of Charles the Great. He might have been lying. Maybe, conceded Osborne, but that doesn't mean I couldn't go. Maybe you just need a good reason to stay, said Gunhild. She didn't look directly at him, but dared a quick glance to the side. Maybe, smiled Osborne, but didn't say more. They circled back toward the farm, and conversation drifted back toward sheep and farming and making cheese. Dinner was ready when they arrived, and they enjoyed a big meal of roast mutton, a rare event, with all of Eric's family and the farmhands they employed. Gunhild was surrounded by more merriment and warmth than she had been in a long time. It was getting dark when she and Freudus left, and before she did, Osborne stopped her. I hope you come back soon, he said. I hope so, too. He took something from behind his back. I made this for you, he said. He held up a leather string with a wooden pendant carved in the shape of a bear. Gunhild took it and examined it. Osborne had clearly put some work into it. It's a bear, she said. Like your name, God Bear. Well, this bear you can take home with you. He smiled broadly and turned back to the house. Gunhild heard Freudus call her name. She held the lantern as Freudus took her reins, and the cart creaked its way homeward. Gunhild didn't speak on the return journey. It felt like the evening was already too perfect. Her high spirits vanished as they approached the farm and saw a light moving around the yard. As they got closer, they could see it was another lantern, and even before she could clearly see the figure holding it, Gunhild could tell it was her mother. Thorvi ran to the wagon as soon as she saw it, and Gunhild could see her face was tense with panic. Have you seen Rolf? she asked, breathless. Has he been here? Rolf? No, said Freudus. They both looked at Gunhild. From the pit of her stomach, Gunhild felt dread and guilt rise up. He... did he not get home? she said. He was here this morning, and he went back. He was here? said Thorvi. When? said Freudus. Gunhild felt herself sinking lower, certain now that she had done something unforgivable. He was here before we left this morning. I gave him some bread and sent him back. Alone? Yes, he walked here alone. He's six, shouted her mother. It's five miles to home, and he's six. He had already walked five miles to get here. I'm sorry, said Gunhild lamely. I don't care if you're sorry. Her mother had switched fully from worry to anger. Get out of the cart and get looking. Thorvi turned back to Freudus. I've been looking all day, and I'm exhausted. Can I sit in your house for a moment? I'll get you some bread and milk, Freudus said to her. Then I'll start checking nearby. Gunhild, run about a mile back toward your farm, then start calling as you walk. Okay, said Gunhild, suddenly understanding how bad things might be. You heard Freudus, girl. Run! said her mother. No, wait. If you find him, take him back to the farm first. Inga's there waiting. I'll find you there. <sighs> take this lantern. Gunhild, not wanting to stay another moment, grabbed the lantern and ran, turning as she reached Freudus's farm and heading toward the trail. As she ran, she heard Freudus call Rolf's name in a long, high call that echoed across the fields. 
When Gunhild judged that she was a mile down the trail, she slowed to a walk and began to call. The night had gotten cold, despite the season, but she was overheated from the run and took her cloak off. She began to call Rolf's name and found that she was too winded from running to keep it up without resting. She breathed deeply and tried to calm herself down. The moon was high, but clouds kept it from shining consistently, and shadows moved and made it hard to see well. Gunhild followed the trail across a meadow and into a forest of beech trees. The forest had never bothered her before, but that was in the daytime. Despite her lantern, she couldn't see very far in any direction, and her nerves started to play up. She had never been one to pray much, but she felt she needed something beyond her own strength tonight. Freya, she called, guide me and keep Rolf safe. The words broke the silence of the woods, and as they faded it felt as if the woods were listening. Whether anything else had heard, Gunhild didn't know. She continued to walk and call Rolf's name. The lantern was comforting, but it also dulled her night vision, and it was hard for her to see beyond the lantern's circle of light. Once she almost ran into a tree, and she saw that the path branched left and right. She hadn't remembered that fork from the walk to Freudus's house the week before. It was easier to see from this angle, and she had been distracted before. The path seemed to lead off into a low, marshy area by the river. She continued to walk and call, and eventually left the forest. From there it was a couple more miles of meadow and rocky flatland, and she found herself back at her own farm. She could see light from inside the house. Opening the door, Gunhild held her breath, thinking that Rolf might be sitting by the fire, waiting for her, but only Inga was there. She stood quickly when Gunhild opened the door. "'Did you find him?' Inga asked. "'No,' said Gunhild. "'You checked around the farm?' "'I looked everywhere,' said Inga, her voice trembling. "'I checked down by the creek and in the ash grove, all the places he likes to play.' Gunhild sighed and thought for a moment. She thought back to her trip through the forest. Something about the fork in the trail had stuck with her. "'He has to be somewhere away from the trail,' said Gunhild or he would have heard me. Do you know that trail that leads north through the beech trees? No, said Inga. It branches off and it leads downhill a bit. You don't know it? No, her aunt said again. I'll be back, said Gunhild, and she turned and began to run back up the trail. She didn't make it far before she had to slow to a fast walk. Her legs and feet were aching and her ears and fingers were numb with cold. As she entered the forest again, it wasn't nearly as ominous as before. She walked with purpose now, and she strode past the shadows as she held the lantern high. When she reached the fork, however, this changed. She turned down the new trail and found herself again surrounded by the unfamiliar trees in the middle of the night. She began calling her brother's name again as she followed the trail. It continued for half a mile downhill until the ground started getting marshy. The trail faded away, and as far as she could tell, there were only trees and soggy ground. She called, Rolf! one more time, then stood, thinking. If I were Rolf, she thought, where would I go from here? Rolf was adventurous, and hated extra work. If he reached a dead end, he wouldn't backtrack. She looked uphill through the trees. If he realized he had gone wrong, he would cut through the trees back to the trail. She gazed through the trees, but with the lantern she couldn't see deep into them. The light wouldn't let her eyes adjust. She steeled herself, then raised the lantern to her lips, 
and blew out the flame. At first, everything was black. She waited as her eyes grew accustomed, and soon she could see the outlines of trees and bushes and blacks and grays. Slowly, she began to walk between the trees, cutting diagonally up the hill, scanning the darkness for movement. Every once in a while, she paused and called Rolf's name and waited silently for a response. She kept this up for an hour. The mood had almost set by the time she stopped to rest. Her back and legs were stiff, and she felt a twinge of pain when she bent her knees to crouch on the forest floor. She paused there, her arms wrapped around her knees, her eyes closed, wondering what to do next. Please, Freya, she thought. Please. A small sound echoed through the trees, and Gunhild held her breath. It came again, a voice maybe, or a cry. She stood abruptly and cupped her hands around her mouth and called, Rolf! Gunny! came a distant voice. Gunhild wanted to run, but forced herself to slow down and walk carefully through the trees in the direction of the voice. I'm coming! she yelled. Stay there! It wasn't long once she knew the direction until she found Rolf huddled on the ground, crying. He was shivering uncontrollably. She threw her cloak around his shoulders and wrapped her arms around him. Got lost, said Rolf through chattering teeth. I'm here now, said Gunhild. I'll get you home. She lowered her shoulder and wrapped her arms around Rolf's knees, then stood with him over her shoulder. She didn't know where she was exactly, but figured that so long as she never crossed the river, she must either find the trail or reach the edge of the wood sooner or later, and after twenty minutes of walking, she proved correct. She left the tangle of dark trees and reached a meadow just as the sky in the east was turning orange, and she could see where the trail left the wood a few hundred yards to her right. She recognized the meadow and kept walking. By this point, her feet were numb with cold and tiredness, but at least they didn't hurt anymore. Rolf, wrapped in her cloak, had stopped shivering and might even have been asleep. The last mile back to the house seemed a blur. Mostly she focused on putting one foot in front of the other again and again. She reached home by dawn, for Thorvi was waiting up, and Inga had fallen asleep on her spinning stool. Thorvi leapt up as soon as she opened the door and took Rolf from her. Checking him over to assure herself he was safe, she went to put him under his blankets. Gunhild sat on her bed and removed her shoes, and suddenly exhaustion swept over her, and the pain of her cramped muscles shot up and down her back. "'Are you okay?' her mother asked. Gunhild couldn't read the tone of her voice well. She wasn't sure whether she was about to get thanked or yelled at, or both. I'm okay, she said, and her mother turned back to Rolf and left it at that. Gunhild took off her woolen overdress and found, around her neck, the leather cord with the wooden bear that Osbjorn had given her. It had seemed so precious to her last night, but now it seemed tarnished, as if she would always associate it with almost losing her brother. Gunhild took it off and put it in the box under her bed with her few other trinkets, and although she looked at it from time to time, she never wore it again.